0: Before we begin this podcast, I would like to acknowledge that I'm recording on the stolen and unceded Gadigal lands here in Sydney.
1: Welcome back to That's Hot, the podcast helping you get even hotter than you already are by giving you all the information you need to help the world get cooler. I'm Lizzie. And I'm Tegan. Welcome back to another week. But Tegan, how are you today? What's been happening in your uh, life?
0: Give us the 411. My life has been relatively boring the past week. Although it's about to get very exciting. I am dog sitting for the next two weeks. That is very um, exciting. Yeah, so this weekend I'm dog sitting for like a like an eight-week-old puppy or something. Like it's literally Stop tiny. It. And I'm so excited. And then next week I'm dog sitting for one of my family members and it's two like enormously huge dogs so very different but equally as fun that is not boring at all that feels like exactly <laughs> what i want to be doing with my life right now i am oh, very I'm jealous. so excited i'm about to spam my instagram with <laughs> content so if you want to see it make sure to follow me <laughs> <laughs> just a personal <laughs> plug for my
1: own instagram yeah, exactly. thank you thank gotta you gotta do it i love it i love it what about you what's what's new how are you I am good. I've also had a relatively uneventful week, although one thing I did do this week. So this is something I have put off for honestly three years. I reckon since I first was like, I should do this. I finally went and got a skin check and I am putting this on this pod as a PSA to everybody that it is like a very chill thing. I just booked mine through hot Doc. I walked down to this like doctor that's like a skin cancer specialist. They just like I was like, are they going to make me like strip everything and just stand there? But it was like super chill. He just like checked out my face, my head, and then he's like, sort of. Then was like, okay, like just like take off your top, but like still kept my bra on and stuff. And then it wasn't like there was no point where I was like, I am just awkwardly naked. So that was yeah. a great success, and everyone should do Oddly it. Oddly enough, I have never had
0: one, which <sighs> I feel like is really bad. I think you should get one. I think and my everybody should. Also got one this
1: week, so I'm feeling incredibly inspired by yep. everyone. I yeah, I I'm need to bring this out here as my cool. PSA. Partly because yeah, I put it off for so long because I was like, what does this involve? I don't know what this is. I don't know. And I also was like, maybe I have to go find some like extra specialist or something. But I think (laughs) done is better than perfect. It's very easy. So go do that, everybody. The joys of Australia, lots of sun, get (laughs) your skin checked. Thank you so much for my TikTok. Yeah. That's hot. That's hot. That's hot.
0: That's hot. That's hot. That's hot. That's hot. That's so
1: hot. Okay, Lizzie, what is today's episode about? We are talking all about COP27. So last week we talked about cops in general, and we gave you a nice little intro, backstory to kind of what's the deal with cops, mm-hmm. what's happened in the past. But today we are talking specifically about COP27, which has just finished up over in El Shake in egypt and we're gonna chat all about what happened what happened in a general sense what Australia got up to all okay, the good, good stuff Love First it. things first though we are gonna loop back you're <laughs> ask me some questions last episode that I did not know the answer to um, because really came out last we episode, are like professionals huge questions I think when you listen to podcasts you're like oh yeah that person asked a question but clearly that was like a prepared question and mm. we're here to inform you that when we do this, <laughs> Often it is not prepared questions because I cannot answer them. So, okay, second, so would you like to re-ask the questions now with me on yes. the information if okay. you have pre-prepared like this? A, like a little rewind.
0: <laughs>
1: we'll edit something. Yeah.
0: Okay, so we had spoken about how many fossil fuel executives were at COP27. That's 600. And I had asked you how many people actually went to COP27. So, do you have the answer? I do now have the
1: answer. So, to get a specific number... Is quite hard. They're not like tracking people at the door exactly, but around about thirty to thirty five thousand people. So it's a wow. lot of people. But yeah, I still feel six hundred is a pretty large percentage of that. Yeah. Second question was Uh was Did COP happen during
0: COVID lockdown?
1: So I guessed this one, and I guessed incorrectly. And it actually, when I looked this up, it explained something in my head that I was confused about. So basically, Mm -hmm. COP26, the one that happened last year, was supposed to be in 2020, and it got delayed. Mm. And so one thing that had confused me a little bit... Was it was the Paris 2015 climate agreement, and then they were supposed to update the targets every yeah. five years. And I was a bit confused why then that was happening last year why didn't and happened in 2020. Yeah, it okay. turns out it just got delayed a year. So okay. very simple outcome. So cool. now it's like kind of sad, not sad, but like a cop has happened every single year except 2020. So hmm. there you and go. That's a fun fact 2020- for you yeah no it yeah. Really happened in 20 yeah, yeah 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 it's 2022 okay. i just can't for those can't playing along it is it is tricky i'm still stressed that it's about to be 2023 i don't know how to cope with I that know. so there you I go know. that's why if you're like hang on great. great if you were like me and you'd always been like this should make sense and i'm just never gonna look up why it doesn't
0: it's because we missed a year so there you go awesome okay um, cool
1: let's get into cop 27 what do we need to know what happened Usually in the first week, you'll see lots of big speeches, and recently there's been a lot of really, like, really deeply moving speeches by developing nations. This year, mm. we heard from—you might have seen a clip of Mia Mottley, who's the Prime Minister of Barbados, who gave an incredible speech um, in the first week, and the Pakistani yep. Prime Minister also spoke. And you like. We've all seen there's been some horrific floods in mm. Pakistan. And I thought I'd just read yeah, out quickly about them. We did, yeah. They were sort of mm. incredibly damaging. So I thought I'd just read out a little bit of what he said. So he said the catastrophic floods impacted thirty-three million people. Despite seven times the average extreme rain in the south, we struggled on as raging torrents ripped out over eight thousand kilometers of metal roads, damaged more wow. than three thousand kilometres of railway track and washed away standing crops on four million acres and ravaged all four corners of Pakistan we became a victim of something with which we had nothing to do and of course it was a man-made disaster imagine on the one hand we have to cater for food security and the common man by spending billions of dollars and on the other we have to spend billions of dollars to protect flood affected people from further miseries and difficulties how on earth can one expect from us what we will undertake this gigantic task on our own yeah wow that's insane yeah so i think it obviously really highlighted, you know, we feel the climate impacts now, and it actually set up what became one of the big stories of this COP, which was mm-hmm. all about this idea of loss and damage. So, you, have yes. you heard the? Have you heard these words thrown around?
0: Yeah, I have. I feel like the majority of the news stories that I've seen come out of COP have mentioned that in a way. So. Yeah, definitely keen to learn more about it.
1: Excellent. So, yeah, so that was kind of the big thing. I guess what, as I was saying before, so you have these big speeches, you have these really impassioned kind of, really moving moments and then you kind of get to the end of the cop and you end up with all these little arguments in like rooms off the main hall or whatever of people arguing about single words and things like that so you kind of go from these like big lofty speeches to sort of Mm -hmm. disagreements on like single words in a sentence in a you know x number of page agreement so that's sort of and then at the end you tend to get sort of these last minute like scramble and then hopefully in good years you get some kind of agreement out of that so that's pretty much What happened this year, and we'll sort of dig into. Yeah, cool. I was gonna
0: say. So, did there was there an agreement that came out of?
1: uh, Yeah. So this is. There was. There's always a bunch of sort of like other agreements or agreements to get mm. built on, but the big one was is loss and damage on, which we'll get to in a second. Yeah. One thing I just wanted to flag before we kind of get into this also is just mm. thinking about the whole political situation in which this has happened and the whole kind of like where the world is at. So if you are a person living in the world, you will probably be aware that shit's a bit fucked at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously the climate thing... A common things-
0: theme with this <laughs> podcast. Yeah,
1: <laughs> it's, all, it's all a mess. Particularly this year obviously with the war in ukraine it's put huge amounts of pressure on parts of the world that rely on russian oil and gas and one of the things that's kind of interesting in this cop was we saw you know a lot of countries particularly in africa who are kind of keen to expand gas production and you know for western countries that have built our a lot of our wealth on the back of fossil fuels i think Mm. you know western leaders are kind of conscious of not trying to be too hypocritical and like Europeans kind of, they want to basically buy gas from Africa to substitute Mm. for the Russian gas. You've got this short term problem of people, particularly in Europe, but all around the world, not being able to heat their homes, not having like renewable infrastructure built up. So that's kind of, you've got this on the one hand, these amazing speeches, you've got all this momentum because of, you know, we're actually seeing the impacts. And then on the other hand, you've got this sort of short term reality of just trying to meet the world's energy needs
0: needs yeah exactly that's so complicated and obviously i mean you can see why countries say in africa want to be able to like be a part of this and like have a part of that like money pie basically absolutely because it's such a quick way for countries to be able to increase their gdp yeah definitely it's complex when when it starts being a bit hypocritical exactly countries like australia say no to that
1: Yeah, and I think that's one of the things with these big international kind of, you know, talks and things that Mm -hmm. it's really easier to sit here, you know, as people that really care about the climate and really want to see ambitious action to kind of think, we need this thing, we just must, you know, get this at all costs. And obviously, you know, in the scheme of things, we have a huge long term issue of climate change that we need to address. We also do have to be kind of, I think, aware of the things that are potentially going to be tricky. And that's something I just like, keep in mind as we talk about the sort of stuff that happened. The big kind of overall story, I guess, from this COP was a bit of a shift from thinking about what can we do to cut emissions, what can we do to actually stop climate change to prevent catastrophe, to okay. more of a shift of talking about how do we manage the impacts of climate change that we are already feeling and will feel in the future. Mm. And yeah, that's- do you think
0: like that is somewhat the product of there being so many damaging
1: like, climate disasters in the past year? I think Yes. It's almost like me being like, you know what, instead of getting a skin check, I'm just going to invest in cancer research so that when I get skin cancer, they can just cut it out really well, you know, which is actually a good good analogy because it's so dumb. It's so dumb. Go get your skin check, (laughs) put your sunscreen on, stay out of the sun. That's way better than potentially risking like a cancer that could infect your entire body. Yeah, exactly. Do the preventative stuff, but we're kind of moving towards... Mm, We should just do the patch stuff. The one thing that I will say, and I don't want to put down, because the progress on loss and damage that we'll talk about in a second is Mm. really important. And one of the reasons it's really important is because it it is specifically talking about how do we help developing nations and poorer countries and countries that are on the front lines of the climate crisis, you know, low-lying islands, countries that are just much more likely to be hit by floods and bushfires, and it's how do we support them. So that is actually a really positive thing, and it's something that rich countries – have been really hesitant to talk about, but as an overall story, you kind of feel a little bit like it's a bit, it's a bit stressful, to be honest. It's sort of yeah. get the vibe that everyone's like, ah, oh. we're just going to accept that we're going to warm to a catastrophic level and we're just going to mm. hope that we can kind of manage those impacts. Scary stuff. Scary stuff. <laughs> this loss and damage fund. So basically yes. what it is, it's a global fund for loss and damage, providing okay. financial assistance to poorer nations that are impacted by climate change. So before Great. the COP, you know, the EU and the US had been kind of opposed to this. And one of the reasons mm. is that obviously, especially, you know, I mean, both Europe and the US have emitted a huge percentage of total global emissions up to this point. We're not talking like yeah. year on year. We're talking mm-hmm. of all the carbon that has been emitted by humans, you know, yeah. Western countries are responsible for.
0: Yeah. And if they At the forefront of, like, industrialization.
1: The OGs. You know, they're like, we... (laughs) You guys think you're polluters. We got you. Like, yeah. (laughs) So they're kind of, I think, conscious of not wanting to say, yeah, 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 we'll pay for all the issues we've created because it could be Mm. very expensive. um, Okay. Which is also why it's very important. Because essentially Mm. what it's saying is if, you know, if someone drives into the front of your house, you're not like, oh, sick, all good that you just destroyed my windows and, like, (laughs) I need to rebuild it. Like... You're like, dude, pay. So basically, these poor nations are like the house that has just been crashed Mm. into. And they're like, sorry, Mm. we are not fixing this. This was We had nothing to do with you, you know, ignoring the speed signs and veering into my house.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I guess those countries, they
1: don't necessarily have the means to be able to pay for it anyway, so... No, well, exactly. And, you know, like, as we said in that quote from the Pakistani prime minister, like, these Mm. countries are already so focused on just trying to meet their population's basic needs exactly Um, they can't then be also having to worry about how do we have funds to deal with the huge huge costs of you know these climate impacts yeah so overall really exciting and something that has been there's been a lot of resistance you know for a long long time so a really big step sort of a couple of i guess Slight issues, which are quite major, but in the show will be hopefully addressed. At the moment, Mm -hmm. there's not actually a lot of money for this fund because it requires Mm. nations basically say they're going to allocate money to it. So that is something that that would
0: be a part of like every single in every
1: individual nation's budget, like like future. Budgets. Yeah. Which, so for yeah. like there'll be sort of a split between the countries that are expected to pay and the countries that are will sort of benefit from this fund. So we're not obviously asking mm-hmm. poorer nations, but it would be those like richer nations like ourselves yep. that will need to put into this fund. So that's sort of yeah. the first thing that not actually clear where the money's gonna come from. And mm-hmm. there's also just not a lot of detail about how this will actually work. Mm. It's a start, and it's a very significant start, just because it's been something with a lot of resistance in the yeah, past.
0: I guess from what I saw from news reports, it seems like this, like the all of the nations agreeing to this fund. It happened really last minute, like after something crazy. Like the yeah. the talks went all night. I saw. Yeah. So many photos of like people in the crowd, just like yawning
1: and like yeah. half asleep on their chairs. <laughs> yeah. So that's the classic cup. you know, you start this, you know, week ones, all these beautiful planned speeches. And then in the end, it's kind of mm. just chaos and it's late yeah. nights and working super hard. And yeah, it was really mm. exciting to see this come out at that last minute and to have something because I think, you know, as we talked about last week, like Egypt isn't known for being super great on climate in general and therefore there was some thought that this cop might i think the expectations for what might be achieved at this cop were pretty low last year in the oh, uk okay. there was like a bit more expectation obviously that was one of those you know big five-year ones that there would yeah. be a big agreement but i think this year people were pretty pessimistic going into it well it's but great this that thing, something we got yeah, something, something out great it. came out of it yeah, and one thing I wanted to talk about, which sort of relates to all of this, is this idea of climate justice. So, Tegan, do mm. you know? Have you heard the phrase climate justice? Well, what do you think it means? I have heard this phrase. It's about like I'm not
0: going to do the definition justice, <laughs> but Give it a crack. about the impacts of climate change are felt differently across the world, and that it, it impacts people in different ways, and that the the nations that are going to feel the biggest impact are more than likely the ones that haven't contributed to the prop to the problem.
1: Is that right? Oh my gosh. She's a star. She's nailed it. a 10 points. It's almost of like I have a masters. Yeah. It's almost <laughs> like, you know, things it's amazing. So yeah, I wanted to bring this up because I think this loss and damage fund is a really sort of, a good way to talk about this idea of climate justice versus climate mm. action. We talk a lot about climate action, and that's obviously really important. So climate action is just anything we do that helps reduce emissions, that makes, mm. you know, us have a more livable climate. Yeah. But climate justice is kind of then a concept that incorporates climate action but goes further and says, and I'll read, you know, a definition I found on the internet it's a term and more than that it's a movement that acknowledges climate change can have differing social economic public health and Mm. other adverse impacts on underprivileged populations advocates for climate justice are striving to have these inequities addressed head-on through long-term mitigation and adaption strategies so it's about saying we're not just worried about you know giving everyone a tesla and you know trying to reduce emissions we're also looking Mm. at how do we rectify these injustices and this is something that There's been – I think there's a lot of concern at the moment that the way that we talk about climate action doesn't always acknowledge climate justice, and especially in Australia, Mm. a huge component of climate justice is First Nations justice as, you know, the core. Yeah, definitely. Exactly. And it's something that you sort of see, you know, a bit of a split sometimes in the climate community between those Mm. who – advocate for a really intersectional approach to how we solve these issues and those yeah who, which is so important exactly is super important versus sometimes you know there's other parts of that maybe more like well, whatever we just do to you know we can build the economy and reduce emissions and we never have mm. to interrogate some of those core questions of justice that
0: sit yeah. at the heart
1: of that so hopefully this happening on an international level maybe forces some better discussion here yeah. i guess we'll see
0: yeah hopefully i guess i think that We're starting to talk about it a little bit more in Australia in the context of bushfires and like backburning and actually talking to Aboriginal people and bringing them in and letting them lead teams for burning of country because as we know, Aboriginal people took care of the land here in Australia for thousands and thousands of years and know so much about how the different weather patterns work and ensuring that land doesn't burn like crazy like it did in our 2020 bushfires so exactly i, I we, we probably don't talk about it explicitly as climate justice but that's where i think the conversation in australia has really been doing really well so yeah hopefully we'll see some more of those sorts of discussions in different areas over the next year
1: absolutely anyway back to COP now for yes. some less good news Sorry, okay. sadly and unsurprisingly, not all the oh, things we knew it was coming. Exactly. So I kind of put that first <laughs> one in the category of like, oh, that was unexpected. This was a good thing that happened. We got this loss and damage fund. Quite exciting. Mm. Then there's a bunch of things that are kind of disappointing, but not super surprising. So, okay. okay. Things that didn't happen that we would have liked to happen last mm-hmm. year in glasgow there was a big contentious moment at the end that was all about does the text say phasing out of fossil fuels or phasing down of fossil fuels obviously mm. there is a difference because down means they can still exist out yep. implies that they are gone sadly yep. there was no agreement on this the mm. text says and i read this to you it what they what the goal is to accelerating efforts towards the phase down of unabated coal power and phase out of inefficient fossil fuel subsidies which is a lot of words mm. to say we can kind of keep fossil fuels is the vibe yeah we'll try okay. our best maybe yeah very that was disappointing mm-hmm. the other thing that is quite disappointing is that mm-hmm. the idea of keeping warming under 1.5 degrees is looking like it's almost kind of dead as a goal. So, there's some... Mm, So scary. Very, very scary. So... 1.5 degrees was agreed as part of the Paris Agreement to be the kind of upper boundary that we could kind of wanted to stay within in order to avoid catastrophic levels of warming. And Mm. there's some, you know, there's some sort of reports and some science suggesting that we could hit that 1.5 degrees, you know, a lot sooner than we thought. I can't remember the exact, you know, in the next few years is what we're kind of talking and it might sort of bob up and down, but we're really, really close to that. Yeah,
0: I guess it goes to show why this COP, there was such a big emphasis on... Loss and damage, because like everyone's kind of accepted that that's the future that we're facing now. Like that's the reality. That's what we're facing right now. Yeah. And how can we strategize around adapting, Mm.
1: which is to the sort of situation exactly which is good but it's also important to remember that 1.6 degrees of warming is a hell of a lot better than 1.9 which is a hell of a lot better than Mm. 2.4 so even if Mm. we can't hit this 1.5 it's still super important that we are ambitious in our emissions reduction targets because like the more we can do the better and that was like one Mm. of the other things that was a bit disappointing was there wasn't as much increase in overall ambition from countries targets emission reduction targets as we had hoped sad but again not super surprising Mm. One country though that did increase our target was us because Who we got a new thought? government. I know. Australia so we're doing something good. <laughs> exactly. So Tegan, what we're going to chat about Australia at the COP? What have you heard? What yes. has anything in your any questions? Anything in your mind? What's what was Australia up to? Well,
0: hit me. The majority of what I read. This is pre COP. Was that everyone was very disappointed that our
1: prime minister did not attend COP. Yes, this was a controversial starting point for our COP27 experience as a country.
0: Especially since everyone did give Scott Morrison a lot of shit for not going to last year's or deciding to not go, but then that sort of decision changed, whatever, whatever.
1: I did hear a great shout-out to our one of our favourite pods, mine anyway, left right out, who talked about this today. Not to just recommend another fellow cop podcast, you should listen to us, obviously you're already here, you are, (laughs) but they were talking about this and they sort of said that part of the reason was Anthony Albanese spent a bunch of time overseas at the start of the year, Mm. Peter Dutton sort of gave him some shit for that, and I think he was worried that if he spent even more time, especially on an issue where Peter Dutton kind of wants to be like, God, the woke lefties, blah, blah, blah hanging around in in mm. egypt so i think he felt that it yeah. was you know especially while australia's got this you know pretty significant significant cost of living crisis wanted to yeah. say in Oz. we'll leave it to left right out for the hot political analysis though so yeah, you should go exactly. listen to them talk about it would <laughs> recommend <laughs> so yeah chris bowen went
0: as our like main leader of the australian delegates and, yes sorry and he
1: is our he's our what is his actual title he's an energy minister i've said yes. this really okay. confidently And now I'm Googling it. Yeah, he's the energy mister. Great. Fact-checking on the the run. I thought it was that. I was like, Mm. what's the official? Yeah,
0: okay, great. So he went, and am I right in saying that he sort of got,
1: like, he had some responsibilities while he was there? He did. So he was basically asked to help lead the talks on climate finance, and it's the first time in a decade that Australia has had any kind of role facilitating at a COP because as we Mm. talked about last week in especially in the last decade but even for quite a while before then we weren't always the most constructive sort of Mm. player on the team so it was a good sign that you know people sort of regard Australia as doing something considering
0: climate finance was such a big issue of this COP exactly also says a lot about Chris Bowen and his ability to like lead a a group of people so
1: exactly good look for us yeah so that was a good thing why do you think, I want to have a guess, like, why are people still not vibing Australia? What are we doing wrong? Why are Ooh. we still not a top, a top climate champion?
0: I would say that despite the fact that we do have better emissions reductions targets, we are still very much, well, our government is still very much in bed with the fossil fuel industry as a whole. And it doesn't. I mean, we've just found out how much fossil fuels were subsidised in the last financial year, so I'm assuming that it's probably something that to do with that. That is
1: pretty much exactly it. So we are still grant. we are, like, the world's biggest exporter of coal, one of the largest mm. exporters of liquefied natural gas, and the rest of the world is like, hang on, Australia. Yes, you yeah. might be doing some slightly better things in terms of your own emissions, but if you are shipping yeah. this stuff exactly. out to the rest of the world, exactly. mm, hold up, which is – I, don't know, I think it's kind of interesting because when you hear reporting about how Australia was treated at the COPS when it was last the Labor government, when it was the kind of mm. Rudd-Gillard government, we were sort of one of the leaders at the time. And that's because yeah. we were talking about a carbon tax. We were quite progressive in what we were doing. Mm. And I think the rest of the world hadn't yet got to the point where we were actually talking about phasing out fossil fuels. Because if not that mm. – I mean, we were quite young – I'm assuming most people listening were probably relatively young, you know, around the Kevin 07 time. Like, at that point, solar energy was not the kind of thing that it is today. We didn't have the same level of wind energy. It really seemed like such a far-off dream to ever get away from fossil fuels and, therefore, the fact that we still mine a lot of stuff and sell it overseas wasn't that big a deal, whereas now Mm -hmm. it's a massive deal that we still do that. And, yeah, it's why we're we're not as – we're still not – we're, like – we're back, but we're not mm. loved. You know.
0: Yeah, fair enough.
1: Hopefully, we make some progress on that. Well, exactly. So this kind of brings me to, mm. I guess, a sort of philosophical question. Yeah. For us to ponder briefly, and I'll stick it. I'll give it to you first. Second, do mm. cops actually work? What's the kind of? What do you feel is the? Well, like not the point of them. We kind of know what the theoretical point of them, but mm. in the context of our big global project to save the earth. Where do you think they sit? Do you think they're important? Do you think we need to look for other ways? Should we rely on them? What do you reckon?
0: Mm. Well, I'm going to rephrase your philosophical question and make it sound really cute and fun and
1: say, is our cops Cubs are hot. hot? We should have done that. <laughs> I feel like that was a misopportunity by me. I apologise. It's, it's okay, I got you. Yeah. Okay. Are OG Cubs Huddy
0: hot? out here. Let's go. <laughs> I think it's a really complex thing to think about because we do need these sorts of world like leaders coming together to discuss these issues when you've got that many people in the room trying to make a unanimous decision is incredibly difficult and yeah it's difficult I, like what do you what do you think
1: i have thoughts i always have thoughts my <laughs> feeling on this so Mm. The COP kind of represents, like, it's the biggest international global climate talks. Kind of the biggest thing we have with the most number of people represented in it. Mm. So it's kind of like, it's the big thing. But What I think is kind of interesting is it's sort of the sum, and it's kind of well demonstrated in Australia, it's a sum of all these little things. So if Mm. you think about Australia, so if we start at COP, you've got all these countries with their emissions targets. Australia this year went with a better emissions target than we went with last year, and the reason for that is because we had a new government elected. Okay, Mm. why was the new government elected? Because we voted for them because people got out, they volunteered, whether it was for independence, whether it was for Labour Party, whether it was for the Greens, whatever it was, they went out and supported parties that were more ambitious on climate action and even Hmm. a step before that the reason that you know these parties set more you know ambitious goals that climate became a big focus of the election was because you know activists and researchers and all sorts of people have been doing this work in those Mm. local groups in those community groups whether you you know even things like if you attended a a rally if you've signed a petition all of these things send a message and I think that's what's really cool to think about that the things we do you know going to a climate protest being one Mm. of those people that shows up so it makes it onto the news so it prompts you know some more discussion within a political party to maybe raise their ambition that all ladders up to these big big events that Mm. then you know kind of feel more significant so I think It's not that it's one or the other. It's not that we need just local or just international. It's, we kind of, like, this is the best shot we've got. There's no in unison. Exactly. Every every little bit that anyone does, like, builds together to to create change. And unfortunately, you know, there's no kind of global police force that can kind of, like, enforce these (laughs) targets. Like, that's just not how we work. Like, we are, it's a really, like, important concept in the world Mm. of having, you know, this idea of sovereignty and you can't force countries to do Mm. things, you know, It's therefore even more important, I think, that we yeah we sort of do as much as we can because it is the best, kind of the best that we've got, even if it's not perfect, and it really demonstrates how interconnected all of our climate action really is. So that's my thoughts. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) That's hot. That's hot. That's hot. That's hot. That's
0: hot. That's hot. That's so hot. As always, we end our episodes with an action item, something hot that whoever you are listening at home can do or implement or change to have an impact.
1: So what are we asking people to do today? So we actually struggled with this one for a while. We were like, do we make you go sign a petition? Do we make you go become a global leader so that you can increase emissions targets? You know, Simple things like that. Just become Prime Minister. What we, have, we would love you to go to our social media or anywhere else you can find it, and we're going to link a couple of videos, the ones we mentioned before from the Prime Minister of Barbados and a couple of others, of some of these really inspiring speeches talking mm. about the impacts of climate change. And I would love you to watch them. I would love you to share them with your friends and family because this stuff is so incredibly moving and it really speaks to... It's powerful. It's really powerful and it really demonstrates like what we talked about before, that fight for climate justice and why that needs to be absolutely absolutely central exactly. to everything we do um, in yeah. the climate so like you can
0: amplifying it. the voices of those people that
1: are being impacted so severely exactly that is one of the yeah one of the really good things we can use the internet for in a positive yeah. way so go do that do your quick homework it's a quick one this week no buses out to sydney olympic park required i'm still salty about that it's <laughs> made my life very inconvenient but we're doing it it's fine uh, i'm so proud of you thank you so yeah that's what we're gonna do. Awesome. And that's us for this week, I think. It is. If you have any other questions about COP27, we'll pop mm-hmm. a little question box on our Instagram as well. Yep. And we will answer your questions there. And Perfect. if you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it so much. If you could share it with your friends, post it on your Instagram yes.
0: story. Share us around.
1: Make a, we put want it everyone on a billboard. To listen
0: to our voices. <laughs> not just <laughs> us and our mums.
1: <laughs> I don't know, I'm actually I'm not even sure if my mum listens to this. I guess I'll find out. <laughs> and she texts me after this one gets released. (laughs) (laughs) That one person in Glen Iris in Melbourne. Sorry, I'm just giving away her location. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) So please don't stalk my mum, everyone. I think we should end this episode before I say anything else. Oh my gosh. Okay, cool. Bye. Talk to you next week. Bye.